Welcome to Zichud Daf Simanim. I'm Rabbi Ram Goldhari, and today we're in Seches Psachim Daf Yud Aleph. So the three topics we're going to focus on: number one, the Gemara explained in Daf Yud Amud Beis that the reason that Rabbi Yehuda holds that one cannot do Badika once it becomes forbidden to eat chametz, because of a decree against the possibility that if he were to find chametz, he might come to eat it while handling it. The Gemara says that we have another mission from Menachos that states that after the Karbana Omer was brought, the markets of Yerushalayim were already full of flour and roasted grain from the new produce. It's evident that flour was harvested ground and sifted before Pesach. Rameer said that the Chumim did not approve that people had prepared the produce before the Karbana Omer was brought because they might have eaten it, and Rabbi Yehuda said they did approve of this. So we see that according to Rabbi Yehuda, we're not concerned that one will eat something forbidden while he's busy with it. Abaye answered, A person is detached from Chadash since he's not accustomed to eat from it all year, and therefore not in the habit of picking some up and putting it in his mouth, Without thinking, a person is not detached from chametz, and therefore we are concerned that a person will eat it without thinking after it became prohibited. Two other answers are given. Pointing to the next mission of Saints, Ramir says, that one may eat chametz the entire fifth hour of the 14th of Nisan, and one must burn it at the beginning of the sixth hour. Rashi explains that even though the rice of chametz is permissible to eat the entire sixth hour, the rabban is forbidden because people might make a mistake and think that the seventh hour is the sixth hour and eat chametz. Rabbi Yudah disagrees and says, Ton kochamesh. We suspend chametz during the fifth hour. Rashi explains that this means although one may feed chametz to his animals during the fifth hour, he may not eat chametz during this time. Rashi explains Rabbi Yudah's reason that we're concerned there will be the seventh hour, and one will think it's the fifth hour and eat chametz. And point number three, the Gemara brings a Mishnah from a Sanhedrin in order to eventually introduce a difficulty with our Mishnah. The first part of the Mishnah states that if one witness testifies that someone killed a person on the second of the month, and a second witness testifies that he killed on the third of the month, a and Kayemus, their testimony is upheld. The reason is that we assume that they're testifying about the same event, just that the witness who says the second day of the month was aware that the month before him was 30 days, and the witness who testified about the third day thought that the previous month was 29 days. However, if one testified that it happened on the third of the month, and the other testified that it happened on the fifth of the month, a and Batela, their testimony is disqualified. As Rashi explains, it cannot be that a person was two days off in their count of the date. So once again, the three points are number one. The Gemara explained on Dav Yudam Abbas that the reason the Rabbi Yudah holds that one cannot do Badika once it becomes forbidden to eat chametz, because of a decree against the possibility that if you were to find chametz, he might come to eat it while handling it. The Gemara asks that we have another Mishnah from Menachos that states that after the Karban Omer was brought, the markets of Yishalam were already full of flour and roasted grain from the new produce. So it's evident that the flour was harvested, ground, and sifted before Pesach. Rameer said the Chamin didn't approve that people had prepared the products before the Karban Omer was brought, because they might have eaten it. And Rabbi Yehuda said they did approve of this. So we see that according to Rabbi Yehuda, we are not concerned that one will eat something forbidden while he's busy with it. Abai answered, A person is detached from Chadash since he's not accustomed to eat it from it all year, and therefore not in the habit of picking some up and putting it in his mouth without thinking. A person is not detached from Chametz, and therefore we are concerned that a person will eat it without thinking after it became prohibited. Two other answers were given. Point number two, the next Mishnah states, where Mer says, that one may eat chametz the entire fifth hour of the 14th of Nisan, and one must burn it at the beginning of the sixth hour. Rashi explains that even though in the Raisa, chametz is permissible to eat the entire sixth hour, the Rabbana is forbidden because people might make a mistake and think that the seventh hour is the sixth hour and eat chametz. But Yudah disagrees and says, we suspend chametz during the fifth hour. Rashi explains that this means that although one may feed chametz to his animals during the fifth hour, he may not eat chametz during this time. Rashi explains Rabbi Yudah's reason that we're concerned that it will be the seventh hour and one will think it's the fifth hour and eat chametz. 
And point number three, the Gemara brings a Mishnah from a Sanhedrin in order to eventually introduce a difficulty with our Mishnah. The first part of the Mishnah states that if one witness testifies that someone killed a person on the second of the month, and a second witness testifies that he killed on the third of the month, a and Kayemus, their testimony is upheld. The reason is that we assume that they're testifying about the same event, just that the witness who says the second day of the month was aware that the month before him was 30 days, and the witness who testified about the third day thought that the previous month was 29 days. However, if one testified that it happened the third of the month, and the other testified that it happened on the fifth of the month, a dusum betela, their testimony is disqualified. As Rashi explains, it cannot be that a person was two days off in their count of the day. All right, so now we go to our simon for Duff Yudolf, and the simon is stars, like the 11 stars in Yosef's dream. So it's stars. So here goes. There were so many dazzling gold stars hanging all over the marketplace of Yerushalayim, full of flour and roasted grain, that people couldn't tell if it was the fifth hour or the seventh hour, and witnesses to a murder testified it occurred on different days. Once again, it's slow motion. There were so many dazzling gold stars. Stars? That must be more on Duff Yudolf. There were so many dazzling gold stars hanging over the marketplace of Yerushalayim, full of flour and roasted grain, which reminds us that Abai gave one reason why Rabbi Yehuda was concerned that someone might come to eat chametz after the bedika, but not the chadash she was handling before the omer was brought, is that a person is detached from chadash, since he's not accustomed to eat from it all year, and therefore is not in the habit of picking some up and putting it in his mouth without thinking. A person's not detached from chametz, and therefore we are concerned that a person will eat it without thinking after it became prohibited. So there were so many dazzling gold stars hanging over the marketplace of Yerushalayim full of flour and roasted grain that people couldn't tell if it was the fifth hour or the seventh hour, which reminds the Malchus between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi regarding when the Rabban Chametz becomes forbidden to eat. Rabbi Meir says at the end of the fifth hour, since people might think that the seventh hour is the sixth hour. Rabbi Yudah says at the end of the fourth hour, since people might even make a mistake of two hours and confuse the seventh hour with the fifth hour. So there are so many dazzling gold stars hanging over the marketplace of Yushalayim full of flour and roasted grain that people couldn't tell if it was the fifth hour or the seventh hour. And witnesses to a murder testified it occurred on different days. Which reminds us that the testimony stands when one witness says a murder occurred on the second of the month and the other one says the third of the month. It's nullified if one said the third of the month and the other says the fifth of the month since a person cannot be two days off in their count of the day. So once again, there were so many dazzling gold stars hanging over the marketplace of Yerushalayim full of flour and roasted grain that the people couldn't tell if it was the fifth hour or the seventh hour. And witnesses to a murder testified it occurred on different days. All right, now it's time for a four blah bat chazara. Dav Zion. So the symbol Dav Zion is a clay Zion, a weapon we use a gun. So here goes. The 21 gun salute. 21 gun? That must be one Dav Zion. The 21 gun salute that sounded as soon as the rabbi recited the bracha of Al Biur Chametz, which reminds us, Rav Yehuda said, when doing the search for Chametz, one must recite a bracha. Rashi adds, the Gemara later says that the bracha must be recited before the search. The Gemara brings some alchogas, but what the proper words of the bracha should be. Rapapi said in the name of Rava that one should say Levi or Chametz, and Rapapa said in the name of Rava that one should say Albir Chametz. The Gemara clarifies that according to both of them, since the bracha is said before the Bedika, the word Levayer would be the correct word to use, being that it means to destroy in the future tense. They argue only in regard to the words Albir. Rapapi holds that it means to destroy in the past tense, and therefore these words cannot be used in the bracha. Rapapa holds that Albir too means to destroy in the future tense, and therefore it may be used in the bracha recited before doing the search. The Gemara goes on to discuss how this argument between Rapapi and Rapapa about the wording of all would apply to other mitzvahs. So the 21-gun salute that sounded as soon as the rabbi recited the bracha of Albir Chametz startled the man walking towards the mikvah with a shofar in his hand, which reminds us, Reviewed said in the name of Shmuel, Koha mitzvahs mevarcha alehen, son. We recite the bracha for all mitzvahs 
before we do them. The Gemara discusses how we know that the words over Lassia's son mean beforehand. In the basement of Shabrav, they said that there are two exceptions to this rule. One does not recite a bracha before he goes into the mikvah, and also one does not recite the bracha before the mitzvah of blowing the shofar Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara explains that one does not recite a bracha before going into the mikvah because before becoming tar from certain tumas, one may not say a bracha. However, the Gemara asks why one would not be able to recite a bracha before blowing the shofar Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara concludes that the statement from the base of Midrash of Rab must have been that the only exception is to be alone. So the 21 gun sleuth that sounded as soon as the rabbi recited the bracha of Albir Hametz startled the man walking towards the mikvah with a shofar in his hand, who then saw a search team sent out with candles in their hand. Which reminds us, the Gemara asks how we know that one needs to use specifically the light of a candle to do the check in the Chametz. Rav Chiste answers that we learn this out from a chain of similar words. It says the word Metziah by Chametz in the Pasuk, Shiva's Yamim. We found the word Metziah in a different Pasuk, He searched, he began with the oldest, and ended with the youngest, and it was found, which also has in it the word Chipus, search. We see that the word Metziah was accomplished through a search, and therefore we see that we must do a search for Chametz. Rav Chisa continues that the word Chipus is also found in another Pasuk, which discusses the candle. At that time, I will search Yerushalayim with candles. We therefore see that the word Chipus is specifically a search, Done with the candle. Davches. So the symbol Davches is Chala. So here goes. The scorched Chalas. Chalas. That must be more on Davches. The scorched Chalas were a result of the person who mistakenly used a torch for Badika, which reminds us the Gemara Dav Zayin Amin Beis brings a brace that says, In Bokin Lola or Hachama or Halavana or Havuka Elo or Aner. We cannot search for comets using the light of the sun, the light of the moon, or a torch. We need to use the light of a candle. The Gemara on Ardaf asks why a torch may not be used based on two statements from Rav who brings a Pasuk that teaches a torch is stronger than a candle and stated, mitzvah A torch is the best thing to use for Abdallah since its light is stronger than a candle. The Gemara brings four answers. Rav Nachman Bar Yitzhak answered that This one, a candle can be brought inside holes and cracks, thereby being ideal for searching for chametz. And this one, the torch, cannot be brought into such places. Razvid answered that This one, the candle, gives light in front of a person, thereby being ideal for searching for chametz. And this one, the torch, gives light in the back of the person. Rapapa says that the torch makes one afraid that he'll burn down the house. And Ravina says the light of the candle is steady, whereas the light of the torch flickers. So the scorched chalas were a result of the person who mistakenly used a torch from Medika, who almost burnt down his entire house after checking the small cracks and holes full of scorpions, which reminds us the Gemara brings a brace which states, we do not obligate a person to put his hand into holes and cracks to search for chametz, as this is dangerous. The Gemara explains, Because of the danger of scorpions that are inside these spaces, it might sting a person who sticks his hand inside. The Gemara asks that Rabbi Lazar says that one who goes to do a mitzvah will not be hurt. Ravashi answers, they were concerned that he had lost a needle, and after he finishes searching for the chametz, he'll look for his needle. During the time that he's looking to find his missing needle, he'll not be protected. So the scorched chalas were a result of the person mistakenly used a torch from Badika, who almost burnt down his entire house after checking the small cracks and holes full of scorpions next to the wine barrels in the basement. Which reminds us, in the Mishnah on Dab Beisam and all, Beishamai said that when one searches his basement of wine barrels, he must search Beishuras Alpenekol Marte, two rows on the face of the entire basement. Rav Yudin said the Beishami meant the two outer rows of barrels from the floor to the ceiling. Rav Yochanan said the Beishami meant shura achaz kamin gam, a single row in the shape of the Greek letter gam, which means all the outer rows of barrels from the floor to the ceiling and all the highest rows of barrels facing the ceiling. Beisil said in the Mishnah that one must search shtehe chitsonos shehenel yonos, 
the two outer ones, which are the highest ones. Rav said that Beis Hillel met the highest row, which is the closest to the outside, and the row underneath it. Shmuel said that Beis Hillel met the highest row, which is the closest to the outside, and the row behind it. Daf Tess. So the symbol Daf Tess is a teapot. So here it goes. The chul, the spotted jumping out of a teapot. Teapot? That must mean we're on Daf Tess. The chul, the spotted jumping out of a teapot, leaving some chametz behind, which reminds us, the next Mishnah states that ain't choshishin shemagera chuldem abayisim abayisim makam makam. We're not concerned that a chulda dragged chametz from house to house or from place to place within the house. The Gemara says that this implies that we're not concerned for the possibility. But if we do indeed see a chulda bring chametz into a place that was already searched, then we do have to search again for the chametz in that area. The Gemara asks on this, Why does another search have to be done? We should assume that the chulda ate the chametz. The Gemara brings a proof to this concept from a mission that said, the Gemara brings a proof to this concept from a mission that says that if a chulda enters a place where there might be a dead body buried there, we can assume that he ate it. Rabbi Zerah answers, This one, the mission of discussing a dead body, is meat. And this one, our mission that discusses comments, is bread. A chulda completely finishes eating meat and leaves nothing over, but does not completely finish eating bread and leaves some over. Since a chulda leaves over bread, we have to search again if we see it bring chametz into an already checked area. So the chulda spotted jumping out of a teapot leaving some chametz behind, didn't find the guard of chametz in the closet. Which reminds us, on this of the Mishnah states, we're not worried that a chulda will drag a piece of chametz from a non-checked area of the house into a checked area of the house. The Gemara asked that at the end of the Mishnah on Daf Yudam, and basically we learn, the chametz that one wants to leave over after a search for chametz, in order to eat it, he needs to place in a guarded place, so that he will not need to do another bedika, meaning that if one didn't place his chametz in a guarded place, we are concerned that a chulda would take it, and then one would have to do another search in his house. If so, why did our Mishnah say that we're not worried that a chulda will bring chametz from a non-checked area of the house into a checked area of the house? Abai explains that on the 13th, when there's chametz in every house, a chulda doesn't hide the chametz that he has, because it's not worried that it will run out of food, and on the 14th, when the chametz is not found in every house, the chulda does hide the chametz. Therefore, on the 14th, we are concerned that the chulda took away the chametz and hid it. Rav and Rav Mari give two other answers. So the chulda spotted jumping out of a teapot, leaving some chametz behind, didn't find the guard of chametz in the closet. So he took some chametz from a pile next to matzah and scampered into a neighbor's home that had not yet done a badika. Which reminds us, the Gemara discusses a case of one pile of matzah and one pile of chametz. And there are two houses there, one which was searched and one which was not. Two mice came and one took from the pile of matzah and one took from the pile of chametz. And each one entered a different house. We don't know which one entered which house. The Gemara says that this is compared to a case of a bryce that says that there are two baskets, one full of chulon fruit and one full of fruits of truma. And next to them are two containers, one holding fruits of chulon and one holding fruits of truma. And each one of these containers fell into a different basket. Then we assume that the chulon fell into the chulon and the truma fell into the truma. So too, in our case, we can assume that the chulon with the chametz dragged it into a house that was not checked. And the chulon with the matzah dragged the matzah into the house that was checked. The Gemara concludes that the Rabbanan were lenient because both cases involved the Rabbanan. Truma nowadays is a Durabun, and Bidika's Chametz is a Durabun. Daf Yud. So the similar Daf Yud is a minion of Yidin. So here goes. The minion of Yidin. Minion of Yidin. That must mean we're on Daf Yud. The minion of Yidin, who couldn't find the Chametz the mouse brought into their check shul, which reminds us, the Gemara Daf Tess Amabase and our Daf discussed the lachas for seven situations of Chametz. The fifth case was Al Ubadak, Balashkach. If a mouse went into a search home with Chametz, and the owner searched his house and didn't find it, the law can be derived from a Malchus between Ramir and the Rabban as it's learned in the Mishnah Nida regarding a case where a pile of stones containing Tuma from a corpse became confused with two other piles of stones that were Tahor. If all three piles were searched and still no trace of Tuma is found, 
But Mer said, Anything that has a chazok of being tamay is always assumed to be in its state of tumah. Until it becomes known to you where the tumah is. The Chamim say, He should search until he reaches a layer of rock or virgin granite, and if the tumah is not found, he may assume it is no longer there. Rush explains that he may assume a raven or a mouse came and removed them. In the case of Chametz, even Rebbe Meir would agree that the house need not be searched again, since the requirement is only the Rabbanan. Rashi explains that we can assume the mouse ate the Chametz. So the minion of Yidin who couldn't find the Chametz the mouse brought into their Czech shul, emergency dialed the Chametz busters who came with their ladders, which reminds us, Rava asks in the case of Kikar Bishmei a loaf of bread which is on top of the beams of the ceiling, Sarech Suum Harido or Ein Sarech. Does one need to get a ladder to take it down or not? Do we say that the Rabban do not require a person to get rid of Chametz that's so high up as no one will accidentally eat it, or maybe it might fall and then someone will eat it? Rava asks further, that if the Rabban were indeed concerned in the above case, what's the lacha if a loaf of bread is in a pit? Does one need to get a ladder to get it out? Do we say that the Rabban do not require that, being that it will not come up on its own, or, or maybe someone might go into the pit to use the batman when he sees it, he'll eat it? Rava's last question is, what is the lacha if the loaf of bread is in the mouth of a snake? Do we say that one's required to hire a charm who can get the bread out of the snake's mouth? Or do we say that the Chamin did not require one to spend money on doing the search for Chametz? The Gemara leaves these questions as a take. So the minion of Yin who couldn't find the Chametz the mouse brought into the Czech Shul, emergency dialed the Chametz busters who came with their ladders on the morning of the 14th at the time of Biur. Which reminds us, the next mission states, Rav Yudah says, Botkin or Yudal, Yudal Chachris Vishasa Biur. We need to search for Chametz on the night of the 14th of Nisan, the morning of the 14th of Nisan, at the time that we burn the Chametz, which is during the 6th hour of the 14th. The Chachamim say that if one did not search for Chametz on the night of the 14th, then he must do it on the 14th, and if he didn't check on the 14th, he needs to do it during the Moed, which Rashi explains to mean during the time that we burn the Chametz, meaning during the 6th hour. And if he did not do it during the Moed, he needs to check after the Moed up until dark. The Gemara concludes that the correct understanding of the Mishnah is that Rabbi Yudah really agrees to the Chachamim that a person is only required to search for Chametz one of these three times. The only argument regarding searching after the Chametz prohibition goes into effect. Rabbi Yudah holds that he can't do it any longer, as a decree against the possibility if he were to find chametz, he might come to eat it. Whereas the chamim hold that he may still do it after the time of burning the chametz. Rashi explains this is true only on the afternoon of the 14th, when the chametz is forbidden, but not yet subject to a penalty of karas. All right, now it's time to conclude with a pop quiz of 10 questions. Number one. Which stuff do you learn that a chudah leaves over some bread and doesn't leave over any meat? That's on duff. Test. Good. Number two. Which stuff do you learn four reasons why a candle is used for the bidika and not a torch? That's on Duff. Ches. Good. Number three. Which stuff do you learn that if a mouse with chumas went into a search home and bidika was done and it's not found, one does not need to do another bidika? That's on Duff. Yud. Good. Number four. Which stuff do we learn that after one does bidika, one's required to move out to the chumas? That's on Duff. Love. Good. Number five. Which of the one, if one witness testifies a murder took place on the third of the month, and the other says the fifth, the Adus is battle, it's nullified, that's on Duff? Yudolf. Good. Number six. Which of the one, that a candle must be used for the Vedika from Sukim to connect Metsia to Chippus to Neros, that's on Duff? Zion. Good. Number seven. Which of the one, why Revita was concerned that one might come to eat Chametz after the Vedika, but not Chadash before the Omer was brought, that's on Duff? Yudolf. Good number eight. Which of the one the Gemara leaves the question as a take of one needs to climb up a ladder to remove chametz from a ceiling beam? That's on Duff. 
Yud. Good number nine. Which doctor of Malchok is regarding the bracha before the bedikah, whether it's Levi or Chametz or Albir or Chametz? That's on Dav. Zion. Good. Number 10. Which of the when the Ramirez says Chametz becomes forbidden to eat with the Rabban from the end of the fifth hour? And Rabbi Yudah says at the end of the fourth hour. That's on Dav. You know. Good. Now we go to the three bonus questions. Number one. Which doctor learned that if the Torah wasn't given, we could learn Snias from a cat? That's on Dav. Kufa and Erevin. Good. Number two. Which stuff do we learn about a man who miraculously nursed his son? That's on Duff. Nun Gimel and Shambas. Good. And number three, which stuff do we learn what we learn from the Pusik of the Zion meaning? That's on Duff. Memo from Brachas. Excellent. All right, that concludes our pop quiz. This is Rabbi Ram Golden Zikr wishing you a great day and great learning.